Welcome to the Purpose Driven Executive Podcast, where we help you go from making your work your life to making your life work. We share true stories, interviews, and experiences that will help you, the hero, in your quest for passion and purpose. Higher purpose, higher productivity. This is the Purpose Driven Executive Podcast. purveyors of purpose. Listen, you are doing what you're doing because you're trying to make a difference and you know that you're here for a reason. I have brought to you someone who probably gave me one of the biggest chiropractic, and I'm, and I'm holding up air quotes, not true chiropractic, but, but productivity chiropractic adjustments that I've had in my life. And um, I... I'm not going to tell you what she does, but I, I, I've loved her uh, just watching what she does and who she is in the midst of it. And I'm going to invite onto the show, Dee Mullen. Dee, Thanks. welcome, lady. Thanks, Donnie. Happy to be here. Yeah, I've been waiting for this moment for a while. So yeah. don't tell us what to do. I want to hear, Dee, what, what do you love? Oh, all right. Um, that is a deep question to, to kick us off. Um, what I love is, I mean, I love life and I love the idea that we are um, creating our own reality. So it's something I'm really passionate about and um, just taking, embracing that. I love intentional living. I love the pursuit of being the best version of myself and helping others pursue the same thing. Okay, I we we it's a wrap. Those are fun things uh, to be in love with. I love um, D. This is the this is the reason why we're talking, right? Um, this, these are similarities that we have. I think if I ever needed um, a spiritual transplant, I think you have the matching DNA that could uh, <laughs> that could save me there with those. Well, that's a compliment. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So tell us. Uh, you can tell us a little bit now about what. You do. How does that? How does that work its way out uh, in your life on a on a daily and just a regular basis? I mean, it works its way out probably more than the people in my life needed to. You know, it it gets into every conversation that I have, and I think it's just who I am. Um, it led me to, in terms of what I do professionally, it led me to um, starting to coach. So I do professional coaching. Um, and that's something that I really love and it allows me to just have that conversation, which is why I'm so excited to be here with you because it really is my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, so, um, so this has brought you to a place to where, I guess like maybe share a little bit about that. What do you do in terms of coaching and then in, in the space that you live in? Um, fill us in a little bit there so we can connect the dots from where you're coming from. Yeah, so my coaching journey has been interesting. Um, I started doing coaching more on, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this, but more on like productivity and action and things that I would put into like the effort category, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But as I have evolved in my own journey, I now coach more on uh, the idea of alignment. So this idea of it's not only what we're doing, but it's the energy from which we're doing things. Um, so to me, I define alignment and I, t I tell people that, you know, when you're in alignment, when you're, when you're happy, you know, like it's a, it's a joyful, happy feeling. And the idea is not that we have to be happy all the time. So that 
um, I can just cross that off, but <laughs> the, the idea is that uh, alignment is doing things that are not in resistance. So resistance to me is the opposite of alignment. So anyway, when, when it comes to coaching, I really look at, again, not only what we're doing it, but not only what we're doing, the activity or the action, but from what energy we're doing it from. Are we coming from a place of alignment or are we coming from a place of resistance? Are we coming mm. from abundance or scarcity, right? Mm. Love or fear. Okay. You've said, you've said a lot in there. And D, listen, um, I, I work from the coaching space as well. Obviously, um, you know that. And, I, and not that, um, draw for me the line between, I, I think, um, producing or pushing and effort and the grind and A plus B plus C always equals D. Draw for me the line between that and what, what you have come to see as truth. Yeah, so I think the pushing, the effort, the A plus B equals C, um, it's a very culturally pervasive message. It's what we grew up with. It's kind of, it's what school tells us, right? The harder you work, the more you achieve. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm a like recovering workaholic overachiever because that is the way I lived life for over 30 years. Um, but what I've realized is that you can get better results by adjusting you can you can make these like quantum leaps in terms of results and productivity more so by adjusting your energy than you can by adjusting the action and effort um so i don't know if that answers your question oh, but yeah no it just brings me to another question because i definitely so i wanted i want to hear and I'm, I'm going with you i'm picking up what you're laying down the um I remember working with a guy uh, before he was like the number 20 producer at his company. And um, I worked with him in one of the, like he was already good and he just wanted to do it with less stress, maybe a little bit less time. Mm -hmm. We found what he loved. The guy loved flying airplanes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, John, you're going to fly airplanes. He's like, ah, and he's like, okay. He got recertified. Pretty soon he was flying once a week. Not too long after that, it was like he was working three and a half days a week. Guess what happened to his production? I'm sure it skyrocketed. Yeah, it did. Like number, it was he was number four in the company. Yeah. Us, and he was a, he actually purchased his own his own uh, airplane. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, right. It, it was it, that was joy fed. So so talk to me about that, like the the joy that produces. I I, I really I'm curious. Yeah. So I just think like the, it's, it's funny. So I say that alignment is a shape shifter and we have to be really aware and present to know when we're in alignment and when we're not. And it's, it's not one of those things. So again, going back to your like A plus B plus C equals D, we are so prone to be like formulaic, right? We're always looking for, this is the thing that works today. Therefore it will always work. And I think that that gets us into a lot of trouble because we came up with this formula at one point and it worked and now it's not working. And so we're going to do more of it. Right. And, and that's pervasive in everything that shows itself in, in a like, what I'm talking about as well with alignment. So I say that because alignment is a shapeshifter. Like there are times where effort and work and whatever that looks like in your line of work, like making the calls, going on the meetings, when that like checking the boxes actually puts you into alignment and, and you're getting results from it. 
but you're not necessarily getting, in my opinion, you're not getting results from the effort or the box checking. You're getting results because that is, you're getting joy from that. That's feeding you, right? There are other times to like your point where you really have to, where that's not working, where you're feeling stressed or burned out and doing more is going to make everything worse, which we know, right? Um, where you can take your foot off the gas on that side, do more of the things that you love, but you have to do them. Even the flying of the airplane, I love the story, but I think what's important is that that client that you were working with, I would guess that when he was in the airplane, he wasn't feeling guilty or thinking I really should be at work or I should be doing this or that because that's resistance. So you mm. could be doing the thing that you think you love, but if you're doing that in the energy of resistance, that's not gonna work either. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I want to come back to this work guilt that, yeah. you just now, that you just now pulled out. But before that, I want to, I want to, do you take me to a place to where maybe, um, maybe you weren't this way, right? Yeah. I, I know that, right, obviously in our culture, and I know you, you're, you're a driven person, high achiever, all of those things. So I know there had to be a time where this wasn't like what you, what you flowed from or flowed to, um, Take, take me to that moment and tell me about, like, tell me about the change. What happened? That's a great question. I don't even know if I can pinpoint, I think everything's like a compound like effect, right? So I don't know if I can pinpoint one moment, but yeah, as I said, 30 years of my life or maybe more, um, I followed sort of like the old school way of thinking. But again, like, I think I did a lot of that from a place of alignment, not no, I didn't have that vocabulary and I wouldn't I would never have called sure. it that, but, but it was working for me. Mm -hmm. And then I think at some point, I, and I can't pinpoint it, but something shifted and I started, you know, in my own journey, you, you're sitting looking at me, I have hundreds of books behind me, I read like a crazy person, I just can't get enough information. And I started reading just uh, smarter people than me talking about this, right? The idea of effort does not equal um, effort doesn't always equal results and like energy alignment will get you better results than just, uh, effort. I'm trying to think of the way that it was said, but that was sort of the idea. And then I just started playing with that and seeing the results in my own life. And it's hard to argue when you get positive results. Right? So you, so you decided to experiment around a little bit with, uh, with, with this mm -hmm. and, uh, can, can you like, was, what, were there any moments where it was like, where you felt like you were kind of twisting yourself up into a knot, let's just say the old way versus this and, and, and were there any big breaks or breaking moments that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, you know, and you can probably relate to this. I think that it is so much easier. So as a coach, it's so much easier to see things in other people. And then one of the things I love so much about coaching is that I'll be coaching somebody and see something in them. And then later I'll be like meditating or reflecting and I'll, I'll realize that I'm going through the same thing and that the advice that I just gave to that person or whatever conclusion we came to would be really good to apply to myself. <laughs> so I think that's where I probably started to see it most, right? And you and I have coached in similar places. So we, we kind of have came from the same, you know, school of thought on several things. And so you can relate to this and I'm sure a lot of people listening can. I would work with salespeople and they would not be getting the result that they'd be looking for. And we would look at, well, how many calls are you making, right? This is like a pretty um, common conversation. You with sound like a manager right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how many calls are you making? And then the general idea, the, the way that we typically think is like, well, if you're not 
hitting X quota by making Y number of calls. You have to make more calls, right? More effort, more effort, more effort. And I would see that and I would see people sometimes actually taking the, the action, many times still not taking the action. And I started to realize that if it's not, if you're making 10 calls a day and it's not working, why do we think that making 15 calls in the same energy or a worse energy? Because now you're in this mindset of like, you're just hitting your head against the wall. Like, why are we thinking that that's going to get us a better result? Tell me, tell me this. I, I don't know. I, I, I reflect on this one often. D. I, I, um, it's almost like, it's almost like we see, um, success or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever version of utopia that we're going for as something that we don't deserve and can't have. And so therefore it's like we create barriers to doing that. And so now instead of me just having it because I deserve it because I'm a human being, now um, I'm going to have to um, just put myself through the worst boot camp in the whole world. And I'm going, I have to hate myself enough to actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of people, this is where they, this is where they get their change from. I don't ever see that change lasting. Mm -hmm. But maybe maybe talk to that that mentality of almost like self flagellation, self hatred to like to come to like change. What do you what what's your opinion of that? I again, I think that that's that is so culturally like built into us. I think that we see monuments of people who have overcome great obstacles. Um, and, and we think that that must be the way, like that's the way to get the approval. That's the way to achieve whatever it is we're looking to achieve is I've got to really struggle because we think things can't come that easy. And we're told that since we're so young, right? Like the, the path of least yeah. resistance is, yeah. is like that there's shame in taking the path of least resistance. If you, yeah. if you achieve something and you didn't struggle for it, then a lot of times I think people are like embarrassed to even say. And what's interesting, if you look behind me, is that I have this, this side of books over here that's all, they're all business books. And then on this side, they're all kind of like spirituality books. Um, and I think there's a beautiful intersection. But what's interesting is that I think a lot of these business books where people are writing that story of I struggled so hard and then I achieved, I think that, that that's a story that we accept. That's a story that people, like that sells books. But I think that there's a huge piece missing in those narratives, which is this side. Like, Hey, thanks for being someone who is on this journey of purpose with me. And I am with you, my friend, and I've got something for you. Have you ever been moving towards purpose and sometimes it just looks like a big mess? Sure you have. We all have. And the reality is, is we're usually not going to get to a destination unless we have a roadmap. And that's exactly what I've created. If you will go to PurposeDrivenExecutive.com, you can get it. For free and this is the culmination of all of my studies all of my coaching all of even my own personal living and I've created a very visual very easy way for you to map out your purpose this is for you this is for people you're leading this is for your family go on over right now purposedrivenexecutive.com and get your free map of purpose thank you sorry um, it's okay so I think like this side of the equation, the energy, the spiritual piece, and I almost hate using those words because I think people really 
put them in this like new age category, but like you're everything you're doing, you're coming from an energy, right? Like we are energetic beings. So that's there, whether you like that vocabulary or not. But anyway, I think the energy is really missing from these narratives. And I think we struggle unnecessarily to be able to tell a story that's going to be accepted. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. I feel like there's almost like a, there's a mythology um, that we build mm -hmm. and um, you know, there are standards and, Listen, if you if you if you look back at at the roots, at least of our country, like it's 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 Rome, right? And you look you look back even farther. There's probably nothing more that um, that would display some of the some of the thoughts within maybe the story of Sparta, where it's just like this, uh, it's just this this very stoic, you know, grit and 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 do what you can until you get there, and you know, like and that's how we get there. We lay that road. We do the hard work, and I think it serves industrial companies. Uh, you know, obviously for a time, I just don't, I don't know that it serves the individual. I don't, I like, I guess here, I guess what I would say is this, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on just even the terminology, the grind, because we have a grind warship mm -hmm. in, in our country, uh, in our culture. Um, I think it's a way, but I think it's sad, you're sadly mistaken if, it, if you make it the way. What is, what does Dee Mullen think about the grind? <laughs> I, it was a word I used to use a lot and I was like proud of it. It's funny, but um, I, I probably very obviously kind of reject that idea. Now, I think that what's interesting is like you just said, it probably serves an organization, but doesn't serve the individual. And there's, I'm sure there's truth to it serving an organization to a degree, but it for sure, in my opinion, doesn't serve the individual. I think that what you're talking about, it's like this, ex, it's a very external story. And I think, unfortunately, we, we live our lives very externally. I want this external thing. And like, it's just all of this, right? What's going on around us. Whereas I think maybe grit in and of itself is not a bad thing, but like, we've got to put the grit and grind and work. I, don't, I hate those words, but we can try it, right? We have to use that type of effort internally. Like we've got to connect in, inside, you know, and understand that whatever it is that we think we want, if it's external, it's not going to really fulfill us the way that we hope that it will. Like happiness is something that's going to come from our relationship with ourself and it's all internal. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. All right, I wanna go back to something you said earlier and I think a lot of people, um, I was just talking to a, an individual the other day, by the way, high profile, high pro profile guy, um, big, big, you know, nobody would know that this is what's echoing in his heart, but it's, it's a form of what you were talking about, work guilt. Mm-hmm. He's, mm -hmm. he's like, I'm driving and sometimes I look at my phone and I want there to be something to do. I want there to be more. I want there and, and I more and more the, the people who are, who are driven towards success and they haven't defined it for themselves. They're just taking wholesale, again, the mythology or the narrative that's been handed down to them. Um, it's almost like there's this machine that gets going and they can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, talk to me, like, first off, I mean, like, listen, I think we've all, we, we all deal with the residue or the echoes, at least of, of that. Like, what have you done? What did you do? What do you say to people who are in that, in that scenario of work guilt? Well, it's funny. So I think in that 
in that example that you're giving about the guy who's driving thinking like, I want to see some, a fire pop up on my phone because I want it. That's how I understood it. Is that what you're meaning? Like I want there to be a problem so I can put it out so that I'm Value, validated. Yeah. I mean like yeah. that's, that's a scenario, but I think others, others, it's like your the brain is still going and it's almost like there's, there's um, like we create this problem to solve for, for whatever reason, or, Oh, I forgot to do this and I need to do that. And maybe I'm scared about this. And, um, like I think there's a lot of things maybe tangled into that. So you take it any way you want to uh, untangle that one. Yeah. So I think there's a lot that goes into these things. I feel like the other, so with the example of, and this is obvious, right? I don't think I'm blowing any minds, but by the example of, I want something, a fire to happen so I can put it out. That's, that's, we're finding a sense of self-worth again in this external place. Mm-hmm. So, and that, and it gets, it becomes addictive. Right. If that's where you're, wherever you're finding your self-worth, you're going to become addicted to in some capacity. So if you're finding it from solving problems at work, then that's, you are going to keep wanting things like that to come up. Um, In other respects, when people are at home and they feel guilty that they should be working or they're working and they feel guilty that they should be home. To me, that's just, we have split energy and it's, it's pretty much the the opposite of alignment, right? So there's a lot of resistance and we're not really doing a service to either side. Um, guilt in and of itself is just this, is misalignment. It's this split mm. of energy of thinking that I should be doing one thing and I'm doing something else. And it's not that you, um, it's not even that you have to shift to do the thing you think you should be doing. You just have to shift your mindset and how you're looking at it, right? So, okay. So, so take me through that. So let's just say I'm the person that feels guilty because I'm not making enough calls or because I'm not doing whatever, like what, 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 what do you say to me? Cause there's someone that's listening to this right now, D that's yeah. feeling exactly that. Oh, I didn't make enough recruiting calls or I didn't do, I didn't do the work that it takes for me to feel validated. What, what talk to that. Yeah. So we're, I didn't make enough calls. Um, I would be asking questions about why. So feeling guilty about not making enough calls. Like, yeah, why, why is it that we're not making the calls? Why do we feel like we have to make more calls? You know, just kind of digging into it. I don't, it's hard without like the other side of the person. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, definitely putting you on the spot. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I like it. I think that it's so individual, but I think that that feeling in general, like the guilt from, so if you're feeling guilty that you're not making enough calls, you have to make more calls. Like, so this is one of the things I was going to say earlier. So I think that when I talk about alignment and the, where I see the path to success not being through effort, I think people think, well, then I don't have to do anything and that doesn't really make sense. Right. So it, that's not it. It's not about not doing anything. So if you feel guilty that you're not making calls that, and then, and that's really the where that that's connected to, then you have to make more calls so that you can alleviate that. But then you have to figure out why you weren't making the calls and find a way to make them from an energy that, that is going to serve you. Um, but when you're in alignment, you will get what like, you know, kind of like you'll, you'll be led to inspired action. So I think action and resistance, no good. Inspired action, great. So it's not that action is wrong. It's just, again, where is it coming from? Okay. You know, the, you just like the next question, what the, what is, what is inspired action? Um, it's to me, it's where you kind of let it like, let, let the answers come to you. You know, all the answers are within. So I'll give you an example of inspired action in my own life. 
So I have a very strong meditation practice. It means a lot to me. It's like the only way that I feel like I can get through things the way that I am able to. So um, if I have a problem or something I'm looking to solve or whatever, I sit in meditation and I just prepare my mind and let kind of the inspiration come. So I feel like we're getting downloads or inspiration or the answers to the things that we're trying to solve all the time. But if we are busy in this rat race and we're on that hamster wheel and we're in resistance, we're not going to feel that. We're not going to receive the, the inspiration, which would be the easy way to do things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, for example, if someone is uh, let's just say, um, whatever, we, we keep going back to calls. So it's the calls, right? Someone's making the calls. Uh, they're not excited about it. They feel, um, um, wow, gosh, uh, it's bringing to mind another person that I know. Guy earns, like, he's in the top half percent of, uh, of financial earners in America. But when he gets on the phone, he becomes a, just such a shrunken version of himself. And um, in the, like you can, like there's always this, uh, this thing, there's, there's always a monkey on his back about the calls. Now he does it every day because he feels tough by doing it, but there is like, it's just, there's, there's such diminishing returns. What you're saying is, is this person needs to, to go back, regroup, first off, do what you feel like you need to do, but go back and figure out why um, and go and, and also the how there, there's a little bit of a how it sounds like that was that was meshed in that that the answer is actually um, you you have the answers and uh, talk to me about the balance because there's there, obviously we learn from other people but there's also there's there's this there's a sweet thing inside of us that um, the, like we contain like the answers are within we have what we need it's just like a seed with all but talk to me about the balance of receiving uh, from the outside, but also coming from the inside in terms of the, um, that inspiration. Yeah, well, it's funny because when I'm saying like receiving, which sounds like maybe something coming from externally, but it's that I think is sort of coming from within, you know? Okay. Um, so I like visualize it as coming from like somewhere up here and coming to down but it and I'm saying download but it's really something that's coming from internally so I would use the word like your inner being or your soul or whatever which I know is a very weird thing to talk about when we're talking about calls and business conversations but um you know <laughs> so uh, and this this is interesting right because I will say typically speaking you and I both we work with executives and, and usually you are finding it, it's very empirical right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very, it's numbers driven, um, everything. There was shareholders meetings, everything. It's all about like the numbers, what happened this quarter, what are our projections? It's all empirical. And I think that obviously there's a, like, we're not going to get rid of the empirical, but in terms of when we're talking about individual, um, performance and, and someone functioning in their gifts and someone, someone being able to connect, um, with the situation and, and literally have the prescription for what they're doing there has to be some sort of um, spiritual connection. Yeah, and you can use any roles like from, from, from executive, some like, I guess I don't necessarily come at it. Uh, ex like, I, I just want, I, I don't know what, what's your experience when you, when you. Um, I'm not going into board meetings talking about our souls, but I think we, <laughs> we bring them with us. Um, but I, you know, I have a book and I cannot pronounce his name, so I won't, but I think it's just called flow. Like you hear, we hear these things all the time 
Yeah, is that? I'm, re I'm reading this now. Yeah, uh, I can't pronounce his name either, um, so don't feel bad. Uh, Mine is... Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, mine is a different cover. But yeah, oh here, look, I'll show you. Look, this is the old school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, like when we when we talk about flow, and you hear it in sports all the time, right? Which is also like you, very number driven. Yeah, being in the zone. Nobody's eye rolling about flow in the zone. It's the same thing. Right. I'm saying the same thing. So there is so much power in being in flow. Being in flow and being in alignment to me are the exact same. Right. But this is just more a little more acceptable. So we can use that word. But if you are, if you're this, your client that you're talking about who absolutely hates being on the phone and knows that he's not bringing his best version of himself, that is not in flow, you know? And you're always going to get a better result being in this flow state than being in a state of resistance. So for that person, I would say like, you know, again, what's the underlying reason? Why do we feel so out of flow when we're on the phone? And then like, let's think outside the box here because there's any action that you can take in a flow state is going to get you a better result than the action you're taking out of one. So if that means instead of making 50 calls, we meet three people or whatever, like th that, and we're in our flow state in that it looks like a smaller quantity, but we are bringing our whole self and we are in alignment. Yes. We're way more results there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's the, um, I, like when you were talking about earlier, I think that effort doesn't always equal outcome. I think we're, we're talking about that, right? That there, there, there's a factor inside of all of us that, and I don't care where people are spiritually. Um, you know, like there, you do have to believe that there's something inside that, that can equal more than just the sum of, of effort, I believe, to, um, to go down this, this path at all. But mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're willing to do that, when you're willing to believe that some of the answer is mysteriously hidden inside of you, or mm -hmm. um, along the way, other circumstances will arise to meet you, to help you to get to where you're going. Like that, that definitely takes some sort of faith aspect yeah. Um, uh, to believe. But I've, I've seen so many more people, myself included, live lives that are more fulfilling when they learn to rest in that. And I will say, though, there is, at least for me, there's, it's a process. It's almost like recovering from the addiction of always having to see the results of what you did and what you said. How, did, how, how does Dee Mullen do that? How do you stay in flow? And how do, you, how do you keep from going back and digging up the seed to see if it's growing? Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> um, it, it is. It's so hard. I, I find myself, I think to me, it's just awareness, mm -hmm. right? A real deep awareness of where are my thoughts right now? So I started this conversation by saying that one of the things I love is this, this um, concept or law or whatever that we create our own reality. I really believe in that. But I think we create our own reality through our thoughts and our, oh, like, where we're f our focus and our energy. So um, back to your question, the way that I keep myself in this space is by having a deep awareness of where my thoughts are. And, I, and I'm not perfect at that at all, but I think that like very few people even attempt it. I think that we are um, creating by default 
most people are creating by default because they're not even aware of what their thoughts are. Mm. When we were talking before about like having to do that internal work, I think people have a lot of resistance towards internal work. It's like scary. It's like you don't want to look in the mirror. Um, so I keep a, a real awareness of my own thoughts. And then I see myself doing it all the time. I was actually driving um, two weeks ago and I, um, I found myself out of alignment driving, thinking like, I have to fix this and I have to fix this and I have to fix this. And I, then I just heard my thoughts going through the list of all the th things that I have no control over that I had just decided in this moment I needed to fix, which of course I was going to do through effort, which was not going to be aligned and I'm not going to fix the problem anyway. Um, and I had to like stop and breathe and center and realize that like that it's not the way, but I study this. I love it. I talk about it all the time and it's still really in everyday um, practice. And, and I know your personality too, Dee, just like, like in terms of type and, and, uh, of individual, the way you process information, um, you would tend to, uh, if left alone, be more, well, let's see, more prone to care more, which means more prone to stress more. And I'm not seeing that. How, how did you, did, did you, was, was that, is that a hard thing? Do you always have to shuck and jive this thing? Or did, is that, was, is that something that doesn't really bother you anymore? You're asking how I remain not stressed. Is that yes. what you're saying? Uh, yes. Um, right. Yeah. Again, it's, it's an intentional practice. So I said before, really big into meditation and I am big into journaling and just like re affirmations, reinforcing the things that I know. And the things I know are that I really trust the plan, right? Like I know that if I can, um, I, this is going to sound like very, maybe oversimplified, but I feel like my work is to stay in alignment. My work is to like be in this, in a space of love. Again, like these are things we don't talk about in the business world, but I'm just talking about like how I handle my life, right? Um, to stay in this place of alignment and love and that everything will work out. I have um, so much faith and trust that things will unfold the way that they're supposed to unfold. And like stress doesn't really have a place there again that's really intentional it takes it takes work and it takes the daily practice but the the compound effect of doing that daily practice works you know i feel a little less stressed in life these days i love it yeah no i i um one of uh close friend uh today i saw one of his affirmations to his uh to his group that he leads and he and he was saying you know stress is really a, a created scenario all it is, it's just how we decide that we want to interpret a group of facts. It's, it's not real. Totally. And uh, yeah, no, I love that. You know, in, in terms of this stuff, and, and I, I know that um, there are people out there right now, Dee, that um, they know there, there's more for them. Um, they know that they were meant for more. They, they feel like they are going through the motions. Uh, they feel like there is something greater for them to do, whether it's at work or at home. And, and um, talk to that person a little bit. I know you've talked to that person before in, in various forms and formats. Yeah, talk, in myself talk, and in other people. Help them draw the line and help them, help them to step over it. <laughs> so I think that what you were just saying about stress being this created thing, um, I think that when you, when you're feeling like that, when you're feeling like 
I, this is, you have a vision or maybe you don't even have a vision, but you know that what you're living right now isn't the life that you want to be living. I would um, encourage somebody to really listen to all the reasons that they would say that they are in that scenario. And then I would challenge them that everything that they, that would come next is just a story. Mm. So some way that stress isn't real. It's just the way we're interpreting something like we are just telling stories all day long. So they are, um, they're sneaky because they sound like logic and reason, but everything is just a story. So when you say that you're in this, you're the unique special snowflake that has to be in this horrible job and hate your life. It's not true. It's just a story. And that doesn't mean it's easy to break. But that's where I would start. Mm. Like you got to start deconstructing and untangling the stories that are keeping you where you are. That is, uh, that is strong. I, I, um, I believe if we could freeze all of the thoughts that are going through our brains uh, right now, I think, I think some of what we have is belief. And uh, a lot more of what we have is thought that's connected to emotions that masquerades as belief. Like it's like, we, we think we believe something, mm -hmm. but the reality is, is when you, when you freeze it and look at it, it's like, you realize it, it's just a story we've let play over and over and over. Yeah. Um, so my favorite spiritual teacher says that a belief is just the thought we keep thinking. And then um, Louise Hay, who's another amazing teacher has a quote that I might screw up right now, but she basically says, once you realize, like, you have to realize that all you're ever dealing with is a thought and a thought can be changed. So, mm. um, beliefs and thoughts are that, that's it, right? Again, going all the way back to the beginning, we're creating our reality. We're yeah. creating through our thoughts and our beliefs. So if you're looking for a different reality, you have to bring awareness to where your thoughts and beliefs are. Mm. Yeah, this is, this is good. You, you said in the beginning, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to this and, and, and give you a chance to lay this out we are creating our own reality. Um, you know, that, that means something to me. I want to hear, I want to hear maybe a little bit about, uh, you've shared some of obviously what that, what that means to you. How, what, maybe hit that again and then tell us like, how would you tell someone to go create their own reality? How can they, how can they live the life that they want to live? Yeah, so the way that we're creating our own reality is, again, by, by our patterns of thoughts and beliefs. And when, I think that this is like a big concept for people, especially if you're not, if you sort of reject this idea, um, it's a really big concept to break down. But I think one of the reasons that people might reject it is because I wouldn't have chose this or I'm thinking these thoughts and nothing's changing. But what we think about most often is like our current situations. So most of the time we're just looking at current conditions. So our thoughts are focused on current conditions, which means we are creating more of those current conditions. So everything is always changing, but it's typically changing into more of the same because our thoughts are, I mean, you know, we, again, I believe it's just thought, a thought you keep thinking. We have these patterns that are so ingrained that it's hard for us to shift our thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you do want to create a different reality than the one that you are currently living, again, bringing awareness to where your thoughts are and then being very intentional about shifting them. Um, oh, the way to create a reality that's like kind of beyond your wildest dreams is to really reject 
what you see as reality today. And that's hard to do, but it's worth, it's worth trying. So, you know, the, the one thing that, um, you know, kind of my, my head goes to when you're saying that is as, um, as a school teacher, I just remember the amount of effort that goes into attention, right? The amount of effort that goes into focus. It's so much easier just to do, uh, to, to function off of what we already know, right? Mm -hmm. to, to, to recycle uh, thoughts. Mm -hmm. And even, even I've, I've, I've watched that happen as people try to change the habits, behaviors, patterns of their lives. Mm -hmm. Even if you do something for one day, it's almost like your brain is like wiping that. Mm -hmm. No, this is who we've been for the last, you know, 1,263 days. So yep. Yep. that's a pretty good plan. Like, this, like mm -hmm. how, how, how do we wipe that? Is like, cause it sounds like it's a, that, that when we're talking about effort and struggle, like, is that the struggle then that, that you would define in, in the change or not the phone calls, but more the defining of thought and focus yeah. on it? Yeah, and so I think that um, it's so funny you, that you were saying like the attention takes so much effort in and of itself. So going again, one of my favorite spiritual teachers is Abraham Hicks, and they are all about the power of thought and focus. And um, Abraham was doing some coaching with somebody, and this person was you know arguing the idea, which I love to hear that because I love to hear both sides of of the story, right? And this person was saying, so all you're telling me to do is focus. And Abraham was like, you're saying that as if that part's easy, you know, like, so to your point, like, it's so much easier to just take the action that we've been taking for so long versus like, to do the hard, deep work of changing our focus and being intentional and being present and aware. We're just on friggin' autopilot. Talk to me that and here's the thing. It's, it's, it's easier that way. Um, I think we all know people who wake up and do the same thing in, 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 in a lot of ways. Uh, life wouldn't be much different for a dog in terms of it's the same thing, right? If you, you can almost define the routines. Um, talk to me about the, there, there's some, there's, there's always, I think, especially when you redefine yourself, there's not just resistance from within side of you saying, no, this is my identity. And you're having to almost throw that down. Mm -hmm. and say no this is yeah but I'm always like it always sucks no this is like it's like there's there's always a constant choosing and a pulling yeah. out of, of the old and toppling but once we get past that then we got these external people yeah, they yeah. want to typecast us they it was easier for them when they could think about us this way it was predictable when they could think about us this way mm -hmm. how do we deal with that yeah um that's it's interesting. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. One is that like, if you really want to create something extraordinary, which is, I know Donnie, like, what you help people do, it's going to require you to be weird in the world, right? Like people are, you, if you want to be extraordinary, you're not going like, you're going to have a lot of haters probably, or, you know, um, the other thing is if we really can get into this place of flow alignment, choose whatever word you want. I, I believe, because I, I'm a believer in the law of attraction, I believe that the haters kind of um, disappear. Because when we can get into this place where we really believe in the new creation of who we're now going to be, either the people around us are going to get on board with that, or they're not going to come around us anymore. Um, one little caveat there, because I, I work with people on changing themselves a lot, as do you, and that this does come up, right? Like my, your spouse or your children or your parents, depending on what your living situation is, the people you live with, right, are going to have opinions about this new grand idea that you have. 
um, my encouragement or what I, what I encourage people to look at in those conversations or those relationships are that the, the, the relationships you have are mirroring things back to you. So I think when you're going through some kind of change, but you don't really have your footing and your, your, you know, like the scenario you just described where this is who I've been, this is who I'm going to be, this is who I've been, this is who I'm going to be. You have to um, expect that you're going to get some resistance from other people because they're picking up on the resistance that's within you. But when you can make that move over to this is the reality I'm creating, this is who I'm going to be, these are the changes I'm making and no one's going to shake me from this. And I think sometimes it's better to move over to that place kind of in silence, right? Before you like announce to everybody that you're going to be this whole new person. Um, but once you can like really dig your heels in there and stand firm, then you're not going to get that, that reaction from other people. Again, they're either going to get on board or they're going to, depending on who they are, maybe be in your experience less. It's funny. actually, okay. Yeah. That's funny. I just, I realized like this is over a week old that I wrote this. I wasn't even thinking, but it's, it says behind my head, you know, when you respond to your call to adventure, um, others, others will resist you. This is not haters. As <laughs> say. Yeah. This is just them not being able to predict you. So it's, and it's, yeah. And it's also they're they're picking up on like anything that anyone is giving you, they're picking up from you to some extent, right? Like, again, this is an energy exchange. So if I am very firm in something, it would be very strange for you to call me out on that thing. Like that wouldn't be, does that make sense? Like it wouldn't really come up, but if I've got some like split energy or some lack of confidence in something, of course, depending on our relationship and what that thing is, but it's much more likely that you will reflect that back to me. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. I also can see as well. I think um, just, you know, you see it in actors all the time, right? Um, hey, you, Henry Winkler, you play the Fonz. You can't do anything else. Because Harry Potter, we're only going to think of you as Harry Potter. Like these four people that kind of get put in those roles. I think that can happen um, as well. Like, I, I think we, it's almost like we create this groove. Yeah. And, and you know, you go, we're going to go around our families. This, we're, this is Thanksgiving week. And it's weird how a 45-year-old uh, little brother um, still like fits into like, it's like as though he was a teenager. He's not I, like, in my case, I have a 41 and a 43. I still see them as teenagers. It's just weird that there's, there's that, again, it's a typecast thing where this person is supposed to have all the answers or here is the, um, here's like in our case, it's the, oh, you're, you're just, you're the happy big family or it, you know, it, oh, you're, you're the single independent person, or, oh, you're, it's just, there's this thing that people, it's easy for me to think about you in long tail form and predict you if yeah. I think I know who you are. And well, I think something that's interesting about that, I agree with you, but I think, so we never, we can never get inside somebody else's head, right? So when we're looking at like Henry Winkler and we're, we're looking at him being like, oh, kind of sucks that he's totally typecast as the Fonz and like he can't break out of that. We don't know what's going on in his head we're probably feeling that because it's something he feels like he probably did that. Uh, so obviously we're using this as a random example, but he probably did that role for so long that that is like, that he has this fear of like, no one's ever going to see me as anything else. No one's ever going to see me as anything else. And then we respond in kind. And I think our families are similar, you know, like you not, yes, you have the way that you perceive your brother, whatever. But if you, when your brother gets back into his family environment, he, 
accepts that role. Exactly. To a speaker, yes, exactly. You know? So yeah, she's, it's easier. he's projecting it, you're re reacting to it. I think we're, we're co-creating it, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh no, I totally agree. And I just, but it's almost, it's weird how we have to actually reject those roles or those grooves that are just so easy to fall into. Get back yeah. around your high school friends. If you're the funny one, they're gonna look to you to make the jokes or whatever it is. Like yeah. there, is a, there is a weird um, pressure, but also let's just call it, it's just an easier way of life to live that way. It takes so much more energy to pay attention and to focus on something. I guess yeah that's, and I think, I think that's um our ego gets really involved too you know like our egos one of our egos jobs is to keep us safe and and comfort zones are safe yeah. so I know who I am when I'm the class clown you know and that's that's a safe space and we're just gonna stay right here mm. so again like we're creating but we're just creating more of the same I love it I love it well, Dee, I'm going to put your info um, into the, obviously, into the show notes. This has been fun. It has been enriching. And uh, if there are any uh, last, word, last, last moments of wisdom that you'd like to rattle out for someone, again, like, I'm an executive. I want, I want to be more purposeful. I want to be smiling at the end of my day. And, and by the way, I'm not talking about these people as though they're not me. Like, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not separating myself from these people. I am in this journey. I, I, I haven't uh, arrived fully at any of this stuff. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm on the journey to being like, for me, I want to be the most joyful man I know. But talk to that person who wants to, who wants to become something that, that they bought the lie. Maybe they're in their thirties or in their forties, male, female, doesn't matter. And, um, and they're, and they're just saying, I don't know if I can. So one of my favorite quotes, again, from Abraham Hicks is, if this, it's going to sound a little new agey, but if this time-space reality, meaning like your current experience, is giving you a desire, so whatever that desire is, if you, if, it, if that desire has been inspired within you, then the time-space reality can give you, like knows that you have the wherewithal to bring that to fruition. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that you kind of think about and think I'm not good enough or I can't do it, just know that you have that inspiration or that desire for a specific reason. And your desire, Donnie, is totally different than mine. I think oftentimes we think, well, everyone would want to be the most joyful person alive or whatever your, you know, the thing you hold on to is, but that's not true. Everybody has a very unique desire. And the fact that you have that vision for yourself, just know that you having it means that you can achieve it but you got to be intentional about it. Love it. Dee, thank you for, uh, for bringing us into places where other people would not <laughs> and for taking all of the concentrated goodness from the thousand books that are uh, <laughs> there and just, and, and giving us a brain download. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me.